Okay. Hi everyone, welcome to My Livelihood episode five. Today, we're pretty excited, Ed and I. Hi, Ed. Hello, Lolo. How are you? <laughs> Good, thank you. Uh, we're very excited to have a special guest, Matt Hearn, with us. And hey, Matt. Matt. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's early in the morning. We're actually all still warming up. So, so bear with us. We, we will and, it's, and it's Monday. Let's be clear. It's Monday morning, not just any normal morning. And it's a dreary Monday morning at that. Um, welcome, Matt. And we're very excited to have you here because Matt is, is, well, I call him the money man. So I don't know if that, you don't probably refer to yourself as the money man, do you, Matt? What do you refer to yourself as? Well, I refer to myself as Matt, um, but yeah, the, <laughs> the money guide is kind of a, 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 an alternative phrase that I use sometimes. The guide nice. is G-U-I-D-E. But yeah. I've also got the domain moneyguide.com.au because Ed K. Smith has been in my life for 15 years and it's a variant. So, of course, I bought that. You Beautiful. poor man. I love it. And you, <laughs> you, you, could, man. you could probably go money guy, money guide, money guru. We're all good with that. But let's actually properly introduce Matt. So yeah. Matt Hearn, he's passionate about helping people afford what brings them joy. And I'm all, all for that. That sounds great. For 15 years, Matt advised people on the right financial decisions to achieve their goals working as a certified financial planner professional title now he exclusively offers money coaching to teach people how to stop struggling with money and afford what they really want in life so matt we we all go back the three of us go back quite a way we met yeah. i think you mentioned 15 years ago it would be at, at least. least that wouldn't it through um an organization called national speakers australia yeah. at the time in SA. And um, yeah and, and if that's 15 years i was actually just really starting career wisdom at that time and yeah, you know, it was great, great to meet up then. So we've known you a long while. And tell me, as the career nerd of the group here, uh, <laughs> tell me a little bit about your decision to, to shift to what you have been doing um, and away from the financial planning, because that, that really interests me too. Yes. And I've, I'm sitting here wondering, I wonder if Lois knows that I used to be an engineer even. So I've got <laughs> that's a, right, I've forgotten that. I have yeah, got right. a yep. couple of shifts in my journey. So my first yes. career was actually as a, a an engineer and I started as a trained as a mechanical engineer, but reskilled to be a petroleum engineer by my employer at the time yep. because there was a shortage. So, but after three and a half years in a graduate program, I wasn't passionate about engineering. Um, I had that inkling at school. So I chose to change careers at that point in time. So, you know, there's, there's been a real career journey for me with a thread being around deep inside me. There's this belief that we are born to be um, passionate about what we do. And so I had that engine, that, that calling engineering wasn't doing that for me. Um, so I did career coaching at that point in time. So this is in the early days. So that was in the year 2000. Um, wow. And, but that, that deep thread that, to, that made me go from engineering to financial planning has also driven me to go from the career as a licensed financial planner into now what I'm doing right now. Because in my career as a financial planner, straight after I completed the postgraduate studies in financial planning um, and started working with clients, very quickly I discovered hey, all this analysis is one thing, but I'm dealing with humans here. Um, people, we are struggling, including me, to do all the things in life I know I should be doing. Um, so that's where I discovered that it's more than just the, the money side of things. It is very much around um, understanding how, how do we get people to do the things with their health, 
as well as their wealth um, that they need to do. Yeah. So that's where the education comes in. So there's, there's less than 20% of the population that actually go and see a licensed financial advisor for ongoing advice to help them make smart financial decisions. What about the other 80%? It's not because they're great with money, it's because they a, haven't probably been taught about money and also haven't realised um, how to be good with money. So that's yes. where the money coaching comes in is to, to act with that inspiration of the things that I wish someone had told me when I was a graduate engineer coming out earning my first salary. That has straight after I finished my postgraduate financial planning, you know, I used to be the annoying person at dinner parties because I'd say, hey, did you hear this about superannuation? Oh my God, I wish someone had told me this about insurance. <laughs> yeah, that, that thread has been there since 2000, really. Um, yeah. And that has had that, that education thread to kind of plant seeds and inspire people to make great financial decisions has, has led me to go from the, the, lot, the financial planning down a bit earlier or upstream is another word, uh, into the education piece to inspire people. Hey, you know what? You don't have to struggle with money anymore. You don't have to live pay to pay like half the population. There is an alternative and it's not as hard as you think it might be. That's yeah. what's driven me. That's fantastic, Matt. And look, I see that all around me. And obviously, I'm, I'm working with people in career change. So they're often um, needing to start looking at, in order to do what they want to do, start looking at what they're spending as well. And I know Ed also working with um, people in marketing. It's like, I want to do more, but I need more resources in order to do more. So it sort of becomes this, yeah. this, um, this tussle. Um, yeah, I, I'm interested, in, I guess, in, the, in the, the play of both of those things too. I tend to call it the yin and yang because the yin to me is like, conserve don't spend be careful you know be canny as us scots say <laughs> and then the yang is more like let's make more money let's be you know um expansive let's invest so that we can get more out or let's you know spend more on our marketing to get more out and i quite like that idea because it's sort of the, the two equal parts in a way is, is that how you see things matt what's a bit of your philosophy on you know this side of things money making and money conserving Yes, absolutely. If, look, the more that you are spending on unplanned impulses and indulgences and comforts, the less flexibility you have. So the more you get yourself into commitments, the less flexibility you have to make career choices and, and pivot and adapt in, in, in society. So I really think that there is there's a couple of layers to it. In fact, there's so many different layers to what you just, you just I know, said. It's a huge, start with a big I'm, question. <laughs> and so I'm going to pick up a couple of threads and maybe I'll, I'll, I'll throw them out there. You grab whichever one you want. So there's, there's certainly that point around, if you keep your commitments low, it gives you more flexibility. But then when mm -hmm. you look at it from the, say, the wealth creation perspective that you also talked in there as well about is the journey to financial independence it's very similar to the journey to physical independence. You know, Sasha didn't come out of the womb walking and running, did she? You know, <laughs> no. I'm pretty sure you guys remember her, um, you know, crawling, trying to pull herself up and then wobbling a few, a few steps between each other and, and then struggling. So there is those motor skills that she had to learn and that all babies have to learn in order to, to be physically independent of their parents. Same with financial independence. We have to learn some basic skills. And one of those basic skills is cash flow management. So saving is the foundation of wealth. So whilst many people you know, think, oh yeah, I, I, I've got a spending problem or I don't have enough money, I should go and invest. Actually, maybe you're not ready to invest yet. So maybe you need to be focusing on that that spending control element first, get that contained, build up those cash flow control, and then you can add the growth part that you mentioned, Lois, um, yeah. of, of investing. So there's a, I call it the six stages of wealth creation. It's one of the models that I 
that I talk about. So oh, yeah, fantastic. so I hope, hopefully that kind of puts a layer mm. into your question of the yin and yang, which I know is more like this, but I was more. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. I, I've got my my yin and yang things around my office. So I'm like, yeah, you know, it's just like that lovely symbol help helps me somewhat um, and that's great because yeah absolutely it's about um, knowing what you're spending as well it's interesting Ed and I were going through you know as we do sometimes when the credit cards start to expire for a lot of the things and you know with Ed's digital marketing side of things Ed maybe you want to elaborate you know going through that and actually going do we really need this and this these two things do the same thing and and even yeah. in our personal spending of late as well of course absolutely and I think a lot of people have been going through that in these uh, changing times and economic hardships that a lot of people are dealing with and unemployment and all that sort of stuff. They're really looking at everything through a microscope going, do we really need to spend this much on that or this? And, uh, and as Matt said earlier, a lot of them uh, are luxuries. They're not necessities. Um, and I've got a quick tip on that. Yeah, like cool. Go. Tip on, on the met. There's a, you know, I, I know that most of us haven't, don't enjoy doing that process. Um, and we've only got limited time and energy. So I am a very big advocate of the, like the Pareto principle or the 80-20 principle, you know, yeah. um, on which I reframe to say, uh, focus on the actions that will have the highest impact for the lowest effort and do them first. So when it comes to cutting your expenditure, if you're going line by line through stuff, break it into two big categories, comforts and then essentials. So start with your comfort. Now comforts are like wants, but it's, but it's more those things that you don't necessarily need. A difference between like a comfort is eating out, groceries is uh, food is, is uh, essential to make that kind of distinction. Yeah. So start with your comforts because you're less emotionally attached to them, easy place to start uh, in that sense. And then with comforts, do in this sequence, what can you stop, what can you swap, and what can you save? So very quickly going line by line and doing the, exactly that process. Oh, we can cut them out straight away. They're the easy ones, less emotionally attached. Then look at the ones that you can swap. So can you get a similar experience, like the emotional outcome, for a similar amount? Now I know right at the moment through the COVID-19 pandemic, cinemas are shut, but if, if you spend a lot of money going out and having the family experience at the cinema, perhaps you can have that as a family movie night at home with homemade pizza rather than bought, take, bought dinner. So that's an example of swap. Now, once you've eliminated those easy wins, then you go down to the ones that take more effort to do. That's where you, you look at the save part, where you try to get a better deal on ones that you want to keep. So, that, so you do that for the comforts first, and then, then you work down to trying to get a better deal on the savings, um, which is where my favourite idea of using the entertainment guide to you know, buy discounted Woolworths gift cards comes in, which saves that the average Aussie household about 700 bucks a year for a $70 purchase on a gift card. Yes, and I, and I yeah, saw that was in one. your recent um, newsletter and also yeah. a post that I saw. So grab, grab Matt's um, newsletter. We'll have it in the show notes so you can subscribe because that, that tip alone was like, oh, wow, because I knew of the entertainment book and we've had it over the years and then it's gone digital, hasn't it? And, um, mm -hmm. yeah, these, some of these things you think, oh, they're a good idea at the time and then you maybe use it once or twice. But even, even using something twice, it's already paid for itself and you've gained if you go to a restaurant. But, but this that extra dimension of purchasing the gift cards, what a brilliant, brilliant concept. And it's a many other or, um, shops and places that you would probably all use all the time anyway. So that was a great tip. And you've got many more. I'd like to go back to the tip that I, I spotted because I was actually going to say to you, Matt, could you do a post on variable income? And then like, I didn't get to you and you'd already done it. So you're on to <laughs> that. Because many Mind of us reader. are self-employed or we have a portfolio career, we're small business, we're um, wanting to do that. We're straddling a few things. And, you know, I always sometimes say back in the day when I was in my corporate career, you know, 
it might not have always been a lot, but it was dependable. <laughs> and so you could sort of siphon it off into these different places. Um, and since, you know, it's variable, I just think that adds, it certainly adds an, another dimension. It can be a bit like providing the roller coaster. So if you're happy to share, Matt, what, what's a good idea there, that'd be great. Great. And this really applies not just to self-employed people, but anyone with a variable income. So they may be employed salespeople, for example, where they get a base income and a bonus every year. I found that even those people really struggle with or how yeah. do they allocate that. Um, and there's also people who work on rosters and shifts where they actually pay for the hours they work that week. And so week yes. to week. So they're employees, but their money goes everywhere. So there's a lot of, of, of our population that actually have that challenge with the variable income. So the, the problem with the variability is uncertainty. So and we, uncertainty is really difficult to predict and plan for. So my solution to that is, well, let's smooth it out. Um, let's make it smooth. So if you're self-employed, for example, what you need to do is pay yourself a steady wage from your business account into your personal account. Um, so that way you're smoothing it out. So you might you know, think of yourself as a salesperson and go, okay, here's my base that I'm going to pay myself to live off of every week or fortnight. And then every, say, three months or six months when I'm checking in with my accountant, maybe I can pay myself a bonus at those points in time. Um, now, how do you do that, of course? Well, the way to do it is create a reservoir account. So you might have a reservoir account in your business. And rather than just taking drawings whenever you feel like it, whenever you feel low on money, just work out with your bookkeeper or accountant what's a steady base that you could pay that would, you know, based on the variability of your annual income. And just pay that to yourself from that business account as like, treat yourself like an employee is one way to, one way to do it. Now, yeah. if you're not an employee, the way to do that is to have a reservoir account as a hub that all your wage gets pays into and then pay yourself a steady income from that to your everyday transaction accounts that you're using for your money management system. Does that answer your question, Loss? Yeah, it does. And I think it, it also brings up more questions I know in, in terms of, and this is, this is what, from what I understand, Matt, you can help people with because I think even just like, you know, you might start with your old bank account that you had as a kid or something, and then you add on another one, you add on another one, then you go in business, so you add on a business account, and then you've got something else. <laughs> you know, suddenly it gets getting all very complicated. So I wonder about, you know, some people, maybe it's because they've um, added onto their finances along the way and along the journey and perhaps have debt and other things they've added on. And then one day you turn around and go, why do I have all this stuff? So do you, do you help people sort out their stuff? as well are you like absolutely. the Marie Kondo of um of money absolutely in <laughs> fact I think I wrote, I wrote an article recently about Marie Kondo your money because that, yeah. that which links back to what we we're talking before Ed, with the examples around does this spark joy this item or this expense that you're going through yeah and, yep. and she also asked do, do you want to take this into your future so yeah very much so um you know I don't want to take this expense into my future so that's another good good frame if you're thinking about cutting your spending but yeah absolutely tidying up that your, the way you manage your money is 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 actually the foundation skill in that journey to financial independence. Yes. Um, uh, people often mistake that having lots of bank accounts is the problem. It's actually the solution. So compartmentalize a, compartmentalizing your accounts is something that our grandparents used to get through the Great Depression. You know, remember they used jam jars, biscuit tins, or yeah, envelopes. or envelopes, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. So they would be compartmentalizing um, for generations as the main technique of making sure they had money for what really mattered. So, so having multiple accounts is not the problem. It's actually the solution. The problem is not having a clear purpose for each of those accounts. 
yeah. and not automating money for the things that you've already committed. Ah, uh, yes. So, so that's so helping people set up their account structure properly so that they are what I call saving for the significant and minimising the insignificant um, is is really, really important and also help them plan for the predictable. So two yeah. real things that catch people are, are unforeseen expenses and yeah. uh, unplanned impulsive spending because we're surrounded by abundant temptation. So Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I could wrap it off for hours. I'm going to give you guys to ask some more questions. No, no, it's great. No, I was, yeah, go ahead. I was just saying, all this has just had a flashback of uh, the, the book that we had years ago that you produced, Lois, The Cash Catcher. Do you remember yes. that, Matt? I'm not sure whether <laughs> Matt was around. I, I don't think... I, like, I haven't I thought of that it. for like... You've still got it. And it was a, a little book to carry in your bag or your purse or something. Yeah. Or your man bag. Um, <laughs> and uh, it, was a, it was a bit ahead of its time, but it was pretty popular. And it was... Uh, I, thought, I haven't thought of that for ages. And we, I think we had that going through our... Uh, mind over money website which we still own the domain mindovermoney.com.au so that's probably we should do something with that but um i think i think it's getting that discipline of of actually understanding where your money is going and not just letting it get away from you like a loose garden hose you know it's just a, and that will fire hose probably is probably more more uh, poignant um yeah so i think that's fantastic and uh, we've been reading the barefoot investor over the last couple of years and using that and probably a lot of people have heard of that book and just getting those uh financial channels set up correctly the bank accounts like we're now ing users don't know whether that's an account you recommend to use but so many options these days with banking and stuff like that but just having things that that are easily recognized and you only use this for this it's very very strict in terms of if there's no money there you don't, don't go and spend it yeah, I think I think though also with with those sorts of systems they're great and yeah it's funny about the cash catcher I actually just thought of that this morning I haven't in a long time and I mm. think it's been superseded probably by a number of apps oh, yeah. that you can probably recommend now Matt because I was like oh when, when when we started getting phones you know that had all this capability it's like oh there goes the cash catcher you've got to write it down you would have to write down and you were supposed to tick whether it was a need or a want and those mm. sorts of things so I love that that you um, help people with that I'm curious about um, more of the personalization because. Because like me, with what I do, helping people with their careers, there's plenty of books and resources and things out there. But I find people get the loose ideas from that, but they still really need that personalization. And there's also those blockages, I find. So I'm curious, Matt, because I was just working with a client recently and one of her earlier jobs was working in a lingerie shop. <laughs> and of course, a lot of the women, you know, would try things on and then she'd go to help them and they'd sort of apologize they sort of go oh sorry and they cover themselves up and things and it's almost like that um that shame or that oh i don't want you to see behind the curtain and i wondered with all of your years in financial planning as well as your current work with people in this money area i imagine there is that bit of shame or that bit of um i don't want you to see behind the curtain so how, how do you help people with their behaviors around money and what have you seen that no naming names but what sort of what sort of themes do you see you're spot on and I actually think Lois that is one of the reasons why many people don't stick their hand up and ask for help um, talking about money is such a taboo topic we don't even confess it sometimes to our partners 
um, about how we are struggling with money, the hidden purchases, um, which about one third of people do apparently, hide purchases from their partners. Just a little bit of a side note there. Um, so I think there's a lot of shame. Really? <laughs> Under the cover of darkness, like a Navy SEAL. Yeah, well, yeah. she did have a client confess to me that she, after a shopping exhibition, she leaves all the bags in her boot um, and then takes them in. So, uh, so that's what... Um, that's anyway, funny. We, we digress. Back it, to your question. Well, it's, it's even harder now because, of course, you order things and we're in apartments and the, the, the doorbell yeah. is ringing and then it's like, who yeah, is it's this? Like, <laughs> yeah. that, well, that, that's, that's, that's where the trend has been. People have been delivering it to their workplaces. So I think oh. COVID-19 oh. might have actually illuminated some relationships. Ah. <laughs> that's um, hilarious. In that sense. But we that's digress. Funny. So, yes, shame is a really big, big um, thing, I think, that stops people, uh, you know, looking into that part of, and saying, hey, yeah, I do struggle with money. So I guess my first message to say, you are not alone. You know, we struggle with our financial health for the same reason that we struggle with our physical health. We're human. So we all struggle. I was not taught about money. So I came yeah. out with a graduate engineering um, job and had no idea and had to start picking up books like The Richest Man in Babylon. And back in the day, it was Noel Whitaker's book. Golden yeah. Rules of Wealth, that, I, that was yeah. you know, the real popular one that everybody had. And then Paul Clitheroe. So I had to teach myself before I went and changed careers. So you are not alone. The vast majority of the population struggle with money. So that's probably the first point I'd love everybody listening to this to, to, to realise that you're not alone. Um, and so, yes, I do see it. And so for those who get over that little hump and do stick their hand up and, have, and do come and see me, the, the really next message to say, Hey, you're not alone. And so, I, the, I, you could say I see one of my differentiators as being money advice with humanity. So it's it's about compassion. I am a no judgment coach. You know, I have self-taught much of this. You know, some of the, my best techniques come from the fact that they're solutions to my own mess ups. Of know, course. And my yeah. own struggles in that sense. So yes, I do see a lot of shame um, around it. But you're not alone. Um, and it's it's not a uh, not nothing to be to worried about. And actually, by asking for help, we can better tailor. Like telling your actual stories um, of what you're struggling with is the best way to tailor the, the system to you. Um, there's another thing I sort of I say to people is that struggling with money is not a problem with a lack of willpower. It's not a character flaw. It's actually a design flaw in the systems that we've been using today. Yeah. Yes. Most of us weren't most of us weren't taught about money. So no. That's why we don't have really good systems that are working well for us to enable us to afford everything we want and, and, and make good decisions about is this affordable or not. Um, so, we, so the real important thing is if you're happy to be open and honest and, and share what your actual struggle is, much easier to design the system for you that makes money, makes money management easy for you. So you just go from struggling to saving to easy. easy yeah, to fantastic, money Matt. And I love that you blend, you know, the system design from your engineering days and you've got the financial know-how that you self-taught as well as being a financial planner for 15 years and now working in, in, yeah, in, the pers in a very personal space with people. Um, what are some of the things you've, you've seen from your clients? Oh, well, that, the story we just mentioned about the, you know, the bringing the, the bags in, that's a, that's a really common one. Yeah. Um, you know, it's... it's there's, there's a lot, lots of struggle. I think the real, the really big common thread that I see through almost everyone is that we are surrounded by abundant temptation of things to buy and do. So yep. everyone has their own story of their weakness. 
You know, so for me, maybe for you too, Ed, gadgets. Yeah. <laughs> Early you know, no, no idea what you're talking about. No, what's a, what's a, I don't resemble that remark. No. What's, a, what's a gadget? Yeah, that's right. So, you know, if, like if Ed mentions a piece of software to me on the phone, I'm typing and Googling it at the same time as he's talking to me, you know. And, you know, I have to put that resistance in, you know, the systems in place to, to not sort of just indulge and, and do that. So we all have that. You know, a, a bit of an analogy to that is, you know, I have never been to a buffet and not overeaten. Can you relate? You know? Yeah. The, the reason is, is because we are, there's a, the food is abundant. It's really tempting. You know, I've had plenty of food in my life. I know it tastes good. So it's very tempting. And it's so easy to pile it on my plate and into my mouth. And then eventually I'm expanding my pants <laughs> there because I've overeat, overindulged. So we're, we are immersed in a spending buffet. You know, the marketers are constantly pest, you know, hitting us with a, Everywhere we go, Completely. we can't escape it. So, and we've yep. bought lots of stuff, so we know how tempting it is. And with all our money sloshing around in a single account, plus easy access to credit, it's very easy to overindulge in that sense. And it yep. feels great, right? Yep. So we're surrounded by abundant temptation. So everybody seems to have that their own little particular story of their vice. That yes. is, whether it and if they don't, they're lying. <laughs> yeah, because well, we're human. Yeah, we're human. Yeah. So we've all yep. got a something we tend to do that's where the system design comes in because we can't change the environment out there we have to change our system to ma to navigate that environment to make much better decisions that are aligned with what we want not what the marketer wants yeah that's yeah. true I, I think, i've seen sorry you i was going to say that um just in the current times that we're in and we're probably you know certainly some people are spending a lot more online but i know um just from things I would buy for lunch or, you know, I walk past my favourite boutique and have a little look in and Rockaby Road and you know, that sort of thing. So it's certainly it, it's shone a light on some of the behaviours and some of the things that you just take for granted yeah. and that you don't really notice. Um, but I also want to ask you, Matt, about the, the, the flip side of that too with your clients in terms of, say, suddenly maybe adopting your idea about the gift card, something else and something else. Can they suddenly go on a holiday they haven't been on for 10 years and things like that? I imagine there's some really beautiful stories that come out of, um, you know, the upside of doing this, which can seem a little bit like, oh, you know, click back and constrain. And I guess it's that yin side again. It's like if you overdo that yin, you can feel a bit miserly and a bit like you're um, not living a good life in some ways or being, you know, very restrictive. So yeah. sure the other side is that you actually get the goal and you get the reward. Yeah, that's exactly, that's, you, you actually perhaps unwittingly hit on one of the, the great obstacles is we have come to create a narrative as a culture that budgeting equals restriction. Mm. Just like diet equals restriction. It's actually the other way around. Freeing, yeah. It's, it's you know, a budget doesn't equal restriction. It actually enables you to have money for the stuff that matters most because you're planning to have money for that. And in fact, if you don't have a budget and you overspend, you're often doing that as a debt-fueled lifestyle. Mm. And the interest you pay restricts your lifestyle. So if you're overspending and living off of credit, you're actually restricting your lifestyle by not having a budget. Yes. Um, so, and since that is just a narrative we've created, you know, budgets aren't restrictive. We can just flip the narrative. We have the opportunity here to reframe that and say, actually, a budget is simply, as Dave Ramsey, a, a prominent uh, American money educator, talks about, say, a budget is telling your money where to go rather than wondering where it all 
whipped. Yeah, that's great. I that's like the great spending analogy. plan. Maybe is yeah. better. You know, I think I think it's just that the word's got a terrible connotation to it, doesn't it? Yeah, well, it yeah. does, but only because we accepted it as a culture. So yeah. I don't. I I know so many marketing people have said, "Oh, you've got to stop using the word budget." I said, "Nah." With my clients, I just reframe it. We've just got to reframe it. It is the word we call the spending plan. It's still the same thing. You'll yep, create yep. you'll create a negative narrative around the word spending plan as well. You know, because of the <laughs> yeah, because so you're not allowed to work, spend. Yeah, let's work yeah. on the underlying cause, not the symptom. The cause yeah. is the narrative you've created. And so, I think really important what it is a money plan, a spending plan, a budget, whatever you want to call it, is simply around making sure you have money for the things that really do matter most to you in life. So it's reframing missing out. So a budget doesn't mean you're going to miss out and have FOMO. It actually, what, not having a budget means you miss out on affording the really big things that matter most to you, which might be a career change to pursue your passion, which might be that big holiday in that sense. So yes, I find people go from, you know, the stress of missing out on something that is really important to them. Cause that's what, like, if we, if we think, Oh my God, I've always wanted to take the kids to Disneyland, but I just don't think I can afford it. That creates a lot of stress. But if all of a sudden we create a plan to make sure that's possible, we relieve so much stress. Um, yeah. And we don't remember the insignificant things we blew our money on. Um, so, so yeah, go ahead, Ed. Yeah. No, so I think, I think, no, sorry. I'd say, I think it comes back to uh, the, the grassroots of all of this subject, which is children and parents and their relationship with their children, teaching them how to do this stuff. But if the parent doesn't know, they obviously can't teach the children and often money is a taboo subject around the dinner table. If people still sit around the dinner table and have food these days, um, it's one of those things where if the parents are embarrassed about their status of what they're doing in terms of money and where they're at and how much money they make and blah, 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 uh, then they don't want to have that conversation because they're embarrassed to have that conversation with their children. And then, of course, the children don't learn and then all they do is pick up the same habits. Um, and everyone's guilty. We're all guilty of, of that thing. I mean, I, I had a little bit of uh, financial guidance from my parents, but it was more just some savings things and to encourage me to do a few bits and pieces. But no real in-depth um, information. I mean, dad was like, you know, dad's never paid. And I can honestly say this because he keeps telling me dad's never paid a cent of credit of, of uh, payment on his credit card in his whole life. Like he's always paid off whatever he's put on the credit card has been paid off before it got to the, the, the point of getting any interest charges. So, you know, and, that's... He, and he was he would stockpile things on sale long before pandemic. Oh, pre completely! <laughs> like like my friends, lots of it. Yeah, my friends would come over and uh, make fun of me because any cupboard or thing anywhere you'd look in the house, you'd open up toilet paper, cans of peaches, cans of anything that was going to get used up, uh, and Dad would always buy them only when they were on special. And Matt and I, you, you were, talk, we were talking about it the other day. And he would say to me, and I, I've, I keep saying this to Sasha anytime she would come shopping, Sasha's our daughter for those who don't know. And it, I said, never pay retail. Like always get things when they're on special, particularly when they're things you're going to use. And if you're getting things that are often 20 to 50% off, dad would say money in the bank. And it is because you're paying with that with after-tax dollars. It's coming out of your, you know, the money you've earned. So why would you want to pay full price for things when you can get them discounted? But a lot of people's attitude I've noticed is that they, they're embarrassed. They think they're being stingy 
or that they're and like particularly when it comes around to things like the entertainment card i've had that conversation with a lot of people and they feel embarrassed to go to a restaurant or something and and use that because they feel like they're taking away from the the restaurateur and that they're, they're being cheapskates or things like that i think that is one of the biggest problems of the mentality that i've seen so if the restaurant owner didn't want to go in it, he could have not gone in it so his choice was to go in the entertainment you know he's trying to attract business so all those sorts of things just factor in. Yeah, our, my, our mindset is driving a lot of this in all of our areas of life. Absolutely. So, you, know, you know, as much as, you know, I'm a money coach by the framing of my introduction, my, I'm much more than that. My passions are really around humanity and how we, um, I have a deep belief around we are all born with abundant potential. And this life's yeah. journey for us is to discover that potential and then, and then uh, I guess embrace that potential and contribute to the rest of humanity. So some of my passions are very much around how do we be a great human being and parenting is another one um, for me, how we would be a great parent. And you know, so Ed, a lot of that is around, well, what are the narratives that are driving our life? You know, have I got yep. this shame around using a discount? And a, what is it telling me? The, the narrative that, that induces the shame is actually a cultural narrative created by consumerism. If you yes. really yeah which is not yeah. which i think on reflection is not serving us too well mm. um totally. so so yes being good with money is in some ways countercultural. sadly um it's mm. become you know two couple of generations on like being you know being good with money was awesome you know in the great depression and and post world war ii era and all of a sudden it's become a bad thing um we can flip that so yeah, I think a bit back into vogue, Matt. I think you're in a. I think you're in a very good position to help a lot of people who want to do it, but maybe just don't know how. Oh, um, me in yeah. vogue. Well, I haven't been in vogue ever <laughs> in my life. Uh, definitely not at high school. So if I could be it, in vogue, Lois, you're the new sexy, mate. It's your time. It's your time, Matt. <laughs> See, I think also one of the challenges that I keep seeing is, and, and most people would probably agree, is. And I'm not trying to blame social media in general. Social media is a tool like a hammer is a tool. You can build a house with it or you can smack someone on the head with it, you know, but it's how you use the tool. But I think in terms of social media, particularly like uh, Instagram and, and different social media platforms like that, there's a lot of people who are faking it, uh, inverted commas for those who uh, are listening, not watching. Um, they're, they're faking it and they're posting themselves in these glamorous places, doing glamorous things. Uh, in front of their rented Lamborghinis. And, and of course, the people who watch that, they start to feel, oh, oh, that's bad. I don't have that. I'm not as good as them. I, you know, so they're doing the whole comparison thing, which is the worst thing to do. And uh, then they start getting themselves in debt to try and keep up with the Joneses per se or keep up with the Instagrammers. And that's just a trap I think a lot of uh, younger people are falling into as well. Yeah. How, do, how do you think on that side of things? Oh, I wholeheartedly agree. What we consume shapes our view um, of, of mm -hmm. life from, from from an early age. So, you know, the theme that you've picked up on is is quite uh, common and, and and popular in that way. So that's where, uh, as you were talking, Ed, I was thinking back to Lois's cash catcher because, as you said, yeah. Lois, earlier, you, know, you, if I recall correctly, um, you encourage people to think about what is the purpose behind that purchase. Um, and I That's think right. you know, when we're getting really deep into this, like, I, like we can get into money mindset a lot, a lot, Ed, and then perhaps I'll just plant another one of my philosophies in here. I know yep. there's a lot of money mindset people out there and say, oh, it's all about mindset. Yes, it is. But, and I believe in money mindset, 
But if you don't have basic financial literacy and financial capability, thinking great isn't going to help you in practice. Correct. So I'm a real passionate believer in let's get your literacy up and capability is how you apply literacy. It's how you make the decisions. So I guess where I sit in is I teach people the financial capability skills and systems really quickly so that you can very quickly be making much better decisions, which then opens up the possibility for you to delve deeper into that money mindset stuff that you've just been talking about. Ed, to really yeah. then make the, the real pivots um, in the, your whole relationship to money and what you think you need. Yeah, that's um, great, yeah. man. And because yeah. uh, I, I was thinking back to the when we started talking about um, young people and children, um, I think it, I've noticed it's often nature and nurture as, as many things come down to. So a lot of parents I've talked to say one child is really savvy and just seems to be naturally savvy with their money and they squirrel yep. all the way and they're very like that as that's their personality and that's how they are. And the other just has no idea. <laughs> this is spending and, or, you know, it needs to borrow or whatever. So it's interesting that um, I think that's that where you add so much value is personalizing the experience because even the, you know, two kids from the same family can have a different experience. So we can't, we can't blame the folks all, all too much, but yeah, we can no. certainly um, learn what we need to learn and adjust the behaviors according to our personality and, and, and you know, and, and, and go forward that way. So I think it's great that you tap into the mindset, the behaviors, and then plug them into a system. It's going to work for that person because obviously not everything I imagine works perfectly well for everybody so it's, it's being able to customize that and what about the other side I mean because the thing is there you know it's having that abundance mindset too isn't it and um, being able to expand out what you do make so let, let's if, if it's okay to um, hustle over to the side hustle or as you know um, from some of my um, my snippets I like to call it the portfolio approach because I really sometimes saying it's a side hustle it sort of almost diminishes its value and of course for some yeah. people they're working at something they're trying to get over to that that area that they're really excited about and they want to build for their future so what are your thoughts on on that area Matt how do you how do you help people make that that straddle that transition well I first want to endorse the approach I love what you guys talk about and and this podcast and, and Lois and your and your portfolio approach stuff I I wholeheartedly agree with it because going back to my deep philosophy is that gives us the opportunity to explore parts of our potential we haven't yet explored. And I know that from my experience, you know, over 15 years working as a, as a licensed financial planner in those days, you know, all often, once I gave people space and teased out what they want out of their life, so often a goal was, yeah, actually, I'd like to try self-employment or I'd like to start a business or I'd like to change careers like I did when I was an engineer. And I thought, hmm, I could easily have stuck in engineering um, yes. for the rest of my career if I'd believed everything everybody said to me at that point in time. Oh my God, you're throwing away four years of study and three and a half years, you know, 20 years later. Um, and I'm <laughs> much more passionate, passionate now. So I, I have this sense from my life experience that we often have that driving part in us. And that's where I come back to asking people to reflect on what matters most to you in life. Um, do you, would you really be okay on your deathbed missing out on having explored that potential and explored that little idea? If not, and if you suspect you might have a regret, let's do something about it. Let's make sure money is not the reason you don't do it. So yes. put a negative spin on it. Because yeah. that's one thing that really breaks my heart where, and it started back when I was a, you know, studying to be a financial planner and trans, transition careers. I'd just gotten my a job, a foot in the door as a, as a sort of a technical assistant at a financial planning firm. I told one of my fellow colleagues is also trying to career change. And he said, 
but I was going to, you know, halve my salary from engineering down into there. And he said, oh my God, I'd love to do that. But I just can't afford it. So here he was, and that has driven me, like for 20 years since the year 2000, mm. that has driven me, that, that, that uh, tragedy, that not being able to pursue something that was really important to you because money was the obstacle. Um, yes. So I like to flip it and say, well, how can we make, how can money help? Making really good financial decisions is really about help, making sure you're using your money resource to enable you to be the best version of yourself that you possibly can. So if you've got that in, that inside of you, that that nagging thing that you there's something on the side that you want to try, let's plan for it. Let's plan to build up a reservoir of savings that enables you to to give that a crack and a red hot crack, not for a month or two, but six or twelve months to give it a red hot crack, so you can really try it. Um, let's prioritize making that money available to you, which we can do by yes, containing your spending on things that you know are comforts and you don't really. Need you don't want as much as this thing that you want to pursue in your life. Yeah. So that's, is that really answering your that's question? That's great, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I, I was just reflecting for me. I mean, I'm, I'm all for a holiday and <laughs> anytime, you know, and, and, and I love, I love um, travel and I love doing that, those sorts of things. But often I'm, I'm like, I always want to do some um, professional development or I go, Oh, I want to yeah. train in this tool or I really want that resource or I want to go to that conference. And so I'll often prioritize those things. And, and, and actually sometimes um, because it's something you're moving towards and you're excited about it, it still seems a bit like a holiday, like learning is, is, is a joy for me. I know sometimes that other people struggle with that. So finding whatever mm. it is that even if it's, if you're going to start making something and you need the tools, literally the shed and the tools, that could be a way that you're, you know, channeling some of the money you might've spent and you're putting it into that because that's your future business. So I think it doesn't seem, it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't come from lack. It comes from abundance of saying I'm, I'm moving in this direction and Absolutely. I think we both share that Matt of, yeah, when you can see the light switch on for people and sometimes with me, it's, it's working with people who want the light switch on, but they're not sure what it's going to be yet. So mm -hmm. I love working with them in, in that sense. But as soon as they know, then that's where they can utilize your help actually, because it's like, I want to move faster. You know, like I did have this plan where I think it's going to take this long. How can I get um, my finances in gear and also reinvest the earnings that I'm making from that new part of my portfolio, all that side hustle. Oh, absolutely. And the other thing for me as thinking about money is you know, so many times I've encountered clients through that career who want to change careers and I say, but they're unsure about what that next portfolio piece will be. And I've encouraged them because it was 20 years ago when you know, the book, What Colour Is Your Parachute? helped me change careers in, uh, in, in collaboration with a kind of career coach. They weren't really a thing then. Um, so That's more it. of a, a, just a, a generic coach for helping with the career stuff at that, yeah. that point in time. And so many times I've encouraged people to go and see, go and see Lois, go and see a career coach to help coach you through these really tricky decisions. And many times people have said to me, they've been sitting there in this, this strait of disease and stress about their career. They don't know what to go to. And I say, go and see a coach. Oh, I don't think I've got the money for it. And yeah, so they keep, yeah. keep going um, yeah. with something that they're unhappy with, but they won't go and get professional guidance yeah. and do it. So again, that's for me, it's around how do we make help people have the money to access the, the resort, the people and the resources, the learning, like you told, that's my other gadgets and, and personal development, my two real <laughs> weaknesses, um, yes. just like you, Lois. So how do we help people have the money to be able to get the resources to be that better version of themselves? 
that is really what's underlying yeah. everything that I do. Yes. And I think interestingly, it comes back to what we've been talking about and it's been a thread through all of this is that really um, investing in yourself and backing yourself and that self-belief and, and yeah. really self-love to say, you know, what I'm going to give myself this trait of this, not even a trait, but the necessity mm -hmm. of um, getting some help in a particular area so that I can really move forward. And, um, and, and often interestingly, I sometimes meet, and Ed, I know you do too, the people that are, are coaches, counsellors, practitioners, whatever they call themselves, and they won't necessarily invest in other specialist practitioners. And, you know, if you're not, if you're not yeah. willing to do that with others who aren't, aren't in your field, you know, they're going to add on and, and help in some way. How can you really expect other people to invest in you if you are, in fact, selling your services, you know, you're selling packages that you are part of? So I think it's an interesting mind. It's another mindset. We almost have to, we'll have to um, revisit this, Matt, because there's so much to talk about. But um, no, you've given us some really valuable um, tips and experiences from, from your life and your profession and what you do now, helping people with that journey. So thanks so much. And Ed, do you have any parting um, questions for Matt? Oh, not, not questions, but it was just on that same subject. And I know Matt um, has been someone who's followed the great uh, Jim Rowan over the years. And he's one of our um, favorite philosopher business coach people who he passed away 10 years ago now. But, um, and we got to meet him and um, experience lots of different things with him. Um, and like he would say, you know, in terms of personal development and uh, doing that sort of stuff, most people spend more on toilet paper a year than they do on their own personal development or spending for their spending money for a career coach or for a financial coach. Um, so you've got to invest in yourself. You have to, don't, everyone's been stockpiling toilet paper, but they should be stockpiling other things than toilet paper. They need to start stockpiling Matt's advice. So. They right. certainly, yes. certainly. And, and speaking of stockpiling Matt's advice, we we'll put again. We will put uh, links in the show note, Matt. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Um, so, uh, but verbally now, while people are listening and watching, where's the best place that they can uh, find you? Right. Well, of the many domain names that I've bought over the years from Ed, <laughs> on Ed's advice, you didn't buy them. You didn't buy them from me, but through no, my no, advice, yeah. on your advice, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, even probably from the domain provider that you've told me about, because Ed's great in that regard. But the primary domain to reach me on is is my name. So matthern.com.au. So Matt with two T's, M-A-T-T, Hearn spelled H-E-R-N. .com.au. So that's the best way, best place to find me. You can sign up for my newsletter and any other means at which I share stuff. You know, links to podcasts like this, for example, we're there as well. Absolutely. Awesome. And follow Matt on LinkedIn and all the other platforms as well. Yes, that's right. Facebook as well. Fantastic. Super duper. Well, thanks for your time, Matt. And um, thanks, Love, obviously, for your time. And Thank you. Thanks, thanks Matt. That was listener. really great. And um, yeah, we'll definitely have to... Um, we we'll have to revisit some of that mindset stuff down the track, I'm sure, too. Yeah. So, Thank you so uh, much for having me a guest on the show. It's been an absolute delight. Pleasure. No worries, Thank mate. And thanks, thanks, everyone, for listening and tuning in. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Bye for now.